People's Church podcast. This is part four of our series, Streams, with a message entitled, Wisdom, with Pastor Nelson Jones. We're going to be talking about wisdom today. We've been going through a series just simply called Streams. We need certain streams in our life. Last week, we talked about the stream of passion that's required and how roles can quickly, without that, lose a lot of strength and zest, and life just become pretty boring. When it comes to wisdom, if it's the one commodity that if you get in your life, if it's something that you learn to work in, live in, bring in, that is something that becomes the baseline for building the life that is the best in its sense of meaning, that is the best in its sense of joy, that is the best in its sense of fruitfulness, you, all good things come out of wisdom. Wisdom is something that if it lacks in a person, it shows up in the fruitfulness. It shows up in the lack in life. Not lack necessarily of things like money or lack in the things like, um, you know, you might save in longevity of life or anything like that, but a lack in the content of life. We're going to read some scriptures and spend some time just doing some scriptural reflections on this uh, study today because I really feel that this is one thing that is simple but absolutely profoundly complex in its layers because wisdom is a way of living. Wisdom is a relational word. It has a source. Wisdom is not just that. We think of wisdom that comes from our experiences, painful ones, hard ones, difficult ones, failed ones. There is a type of understanding that comes from those things. But if that's the only tool that works in your life, you are missing the greatest and best tool, which is the relationship that you can have with the God of all wisdom. So wisdom's beginning. Here's a great scripture, James 1, 5, for those of us that lack it all the time. And this is a prayer. Praying for wisdom is my biggest prayer, most, vol- most voluminous prayer. It is the prayer I pray the most. I've prayed it for decades. Literally, I've prayed it since being a very young man. Prayed it in my teens. Wisdom. Praying, God, give me wisdom. Because there's too many big questions that exceed my capabilities. There's too many things that are demands on my life that I don't have the resources for. God, give me wisdom. There's too many whys in my trail that come every day. In your trail, this is you. We have too much comes at us that requires wisdom. See, wisdom is not something on the shelf you need once in a while. It's something that's gotta be like a river in your life that's constantly there because your life is going to bring all of these different places where wisdom is needed for making the choices and choosing the most important things in life. And they come quickly and they come without expectation and they come through circumstance and they come through design. All of these things come at us. Wisdom needs to have a presence in our life that we are tapped into on a regular basis. James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom. Now, I like the word if there. He's saying, there's going to be times that you're in this stream and you've got that stream. He's talking to believers. He's talking to Christians. Ones that have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And he's saying, you may have the wisdom you need for a lot of things today, but when you hit places that you lack wisdom, if any of you gets to the point where you just lack wisdom, he says this, here's what you do. He says, you should ask God. More or less, he's saying, there's one source. There's a source of wisdom. Wisdom's beginning is God himself. That's why it's a relational word. There are certain levels of wisdom. You can have experiential wisdom. <coughs> experiential wisdom is just I've gone through things in life. I've learned, um, I put to practice these things a little bit and I've picked up this experiential wisdom. Man's wisdom is, is based on that. Man's wisdom is, is kind of the idea of I've picked it up as I go along. God's wisdom is that which is part of his whole design of your whole life. God's wisdom is that which undergirds his purpose and plan in your life. Even your existence of life. God's wisdom is there for its bounty and for its full expression. God's wisdom is in tune with its purpose in your life. Then it says you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. More or less have the humility. God's not going to poke you because you need wisdom. He loves when you need wisdom and when you ask for wisdom. And he's saying, it will be given to you. Here's Proverbs 1.7, another one that speaks of wisdom's beginning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. We talk about the wise man, the foolish man. We're going to look at a story Jesus told with those two elements in just a little bit. When you talk about wisdom, he's saying that it's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of this in your life. He's talking about not just knowing something, he's talking about knowledge is synonymous with a wisdom that we're talking about here. But fools despise, they hate wisdom. How can you possibly hate wisdom? Well, you hate wisdom because wisdom isn't just about getting a fix in something, wisdom might be about changing you. Wisdom might be about challenging you very deeply about the motivation, the deeper thing behind the challenge, behind the why. He might be challenging you on your surrender to him. He might be challenging you far more deeper than the situation of just a decision point requires. Wisdom is the complete package of God's work. It's not him just dropping, oh, here's your little solution A, put this into place, just do this, it fixes it. God does fix in, in us. Wisdom, when it comes to you, works in you and it works through you. And so fools, they despise wisdom and instruction because it goes to change, it goes to discipline, it goes to surrender, it goes to places they don't want to go. They would rather choose the masking elements. The masking element of just putting forward the image that you wish to put forward. You would rather, you know, just kind of take a guess at what might be the right thing to do. Or you would like to just do what you want to do anyway. See, wisdom from God doesn't let you do what you want to do. You can choose against it, but that's being a fool. Or you can go with it. So wisdom is something that is a complete package into our life. The fear of the Lord, that's a key phrase. It means that he's in the right place. You get it, he's God, you're not. It's a statement that you're God, I'm not. 
a deep awe, respect, uh, uh, this idea that God, you are in charge of all things. You are so large, you are so big and so incredible. And out of that comes this proper placement of you. And so you're going to him. You're not fighting this relationship. You're not fighting him. You're not standing trying to pretend that you are God in making these decisions. In the book of James, and at the end of the book, there's a little thing that James writes about giving some wisdom to people to understand how they should look at the future. And he's saying, uh, there were some business people. And they kind of looked at the next year and they said, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to go to that city and we're going to work there for a year. We're going to make some money and get some profit. Then we will. James says they shouldn't do that. Saying it's a fool. That's a fool's errand. Instead, he said they should say this. If God wills, we will go to that city. And we, what's, what is coming back to the fear of the Lord? Acknowledged in the very most basic but most important thing to the existence and practice of faith in the Christian's life is just the acknowledgement of God's rule. And so you need to acknowledge, wisdom says acknowledge God's rule, the fear of the Lord. I acknowledge your rule is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs 2, 6 it says, for the Lord gives wisdom, straight up, just for the Lord gives wisdom. You know God cannot give foolishness? For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Both of those things are components of wisdom. There are two different things. Knowledge can be just the accumulation of facts and figures. Understanding is what is behind that, what they are for, what they can achieve, how they can be applied. They understand the scope of the potential of that knowledge. Understanding releases and understands the potential of knowledge. So you can actually know a lot of things. You can know a lot of truth, but literally have no understanding because you are not in touch with the actual purpose, with actually a context of the possibilities and the potentials of that knowledge. Knowledge itself, in fact, the scripture says, you have to be very careful. If you just deal with knowledge, you want to just build up facts and figures with no application or no kind of context for this or no kind of use for this under God's great uh, personage, you can end up being thinking you're God. You instead can grow in arrogance. It puffs you up. There's a great scripture, Proverbs 4. I mean, when you talk about wisdom, you've got to stick with Proverbs for a little bit anyway. In Proverbs 4, in the message version, I'm going to read this because it's kind of like a little story he's telling right at the beginning of the writing of the book of Proverbs. And Solomon is writing this. And he's saying, you know, when I was a boy at my father's knee, the pride and joy of my mother, he would sit me down and drill me, who was his father, David. He would sit me down and drill me. Take this to heart. Do what I tell you. Live. Sell everything and buy wisdom. Now, David's wealthy. Kingship. He's got all that kind of stuff. And he's telling his son, Solomon, he's saying to his son, you get, look, son, sell all that and buy wisdom. Forage. 
for understanding. You know what forage means? You get out, you forage, you hunt down, you find the grain, the kernel of grain in that, in that piece of ground. You go out and you forage for this. You go and find it. Don't forget one word. Don't deviate an inch. Never walk away from wisdom. She guards your life. I like that it's made a she. She guards your life. How many here had a mom guard your life? She guarded your life with prayer. She guarded your life with counsel. She guarded your life with challenge. She guarded your life with the things that you needed. You know, here he's saying, David's telling Solomon, he's saying, she's going to guard your life. Wisdom, more or less, is good for your life. And then he goes on and he says this. Love her. She keeps her eye on you. Above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. Write this at the top of your list. Get understanding. Throw your arms around her. Are you catching the relational aspect here? Love her. Hold her. Don't let her go. Hang on. There's all relational words. And he's saying, you need this relationship. Believe me, you won't regret it. Never let her go. She'll make your life glorious. She'll garland your life with grace. Oh, yeah. See, this is the thing. People think often the truth is harsh. Truth doesn't necessarily end up in wisdom. You can tell people truth all day long, but it'll never end up in wisdom until they enjoin a relationship with that truth. And so truth in itself is not wisdom. But truth is necessary for wisdom in your life. What we want to do often is just keep things sort of that selective in the truth department. You know, if you can't hear truth on certain things, you can't grow there. You can't thrive. And your life is being lost to the lie. Truth is something that you want to be able to enjoin with. It's wisdom that will enjoin truth into your life. She'll make your life glorious. She'll garland your life with grace. Oh, how we need grace. She'll festoon your days with beauty. I don't know about you, but if that commodity is bottled and on the shelf right now, see you later. I'm going to go buy that right now. I'm going to get ahead of the line. I mean, do you see what it provides? I mean, it's crazy. What wisdom will provide. So why is there so little wisdom so often, even in the lives of us believers? Why do we struggle against wisdom? Why don't we prioritize it? Why don't we make it just the most important thing to pursue in our Christian walk? Because we're out of touch with exactly what it is and what it asks us and what it's gonna cost you because there's a cost to wisdom. Remember, here you have David telling Solomon, you sell it all, be willing, sell it all to go get this. What will it cost you? Well, here we have it in Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. I don't want, to, I don't want you to miss this part. Saying seek. Seek means you're looking hard. Seek is not, I'm taking a glance. 
When you're seeking, if you've ever tried to seek your kid in a crowd somewhere, you know what I'm talking about? You're trying to see your kid in the crowd. You're not just glancing, you're seeking. Your eyes are searching for that kid. There is, there is this focus that is really intense about the look of seeking and the practice of seeking. So seek the kingdom of God. What is the, that's very simple. He, he rules. Wherever God rules, that's his kingdom. You want to know where his kingdom and kingdom of God is? It's wherever he rules. You know, how, you know where it is in your life? Wherever he rules. You might still have your own little kingdoms going on in some areas. You see, that's where you want to just get a little bit of truth. Uh, but you might not like that truth, so we'll just keep that truth away. I'm not going to just engage it so that it can become something more deep and passionate like wisdom in my life. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Two components. Seek and live. So seek is the intense look the intense search, the everything very focused. Then it says live righteously. More or less it says now what you have sought, live the components of it. Live rightly with your position in God's kingdom. So you want to live rightly with that and everything then becomes very important. You're not selective in truth. Selectivity in truth goes out. You are looking at rather, I, I'm hungry for truth. I want to know the truth. I know at times it's going to be extremely painful. In fact, on many occasions, it's going to have a real thorn to it. It's going to make me pretty uncomfortable. But I want it. Because I want wisdom. I want what wisdom builds. I want what wisdom brings. I want to take this to living righteously. I want to get to this point. And he will give you everything you need. It's going to cost you your life. You want wisdom? You don't get wisdom as a side thing and say, well, now I'm just going to tap into this little side thing I got over here. It's like a little gift over here. Wisdom is a river. It's a stream you're living in. And it's living in you. And you nurture it. And you respond to it by enjoining with truths that come, no matter how much discomfort they might bring you. And you are constantly reaffirming the lordship, the throne of he who is the only source of this kind of wisdom. See, there's a kind of wisdom for you you don't have to go through all the hard knocks to learn. In fact, you can't even learn this wisdom through the hard knocks. Hard knock wisdom is just how not to get hit again. Wisdom that comes from God is peaceable, it's pure, it's full of life. It's that which actually makes you rich in life. It's going to cost you your life. Not just this idea of personal salvation through the receiving of Christ, but a life that is constantly seeking the kingdom of God first. And learning how to live right within it. And then out of that comes this beautiful expression of him meeting the needs that we have in our life 
through what wisdom does. Because it's wisdom that he uses to meet your needs. It is wisdom when you have a need to have some kind of support in your life that you're going through heavy water. It is wisdom for you to open up and to welcome alongside someone else who has some godliness with them and some strength to stand with you and walk, walk with you through that. Wisdom provides what we need, even in natural, practical things like money. Relationship building, building businesses, building your career, building your family. How do you grow it in your life then? Well, Matthew 7, 24 to 27 is the conclusion part of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is, of course, takes up a huge chunk of the early part of the book of Matthew. It's written mainly. And in that chunk, we find different subjects visited, but every one of the subjects visited are all practicalities of life, like, like simply like relationships. He hits it big time. He talks about forgiveness a lot. He talks, he talks about, you know, divorce. He talks about marriage. He talks, he's going through, he's just gonna talk about all of these little practicalities uh, throughout life. And then at the end of it, he tells a little parable. And he sums it all up and he's saying, what I've just said, all of it is true. It is all true. Because he cannot speak anything that is not true. You, when you read the Sermon on the Mount, there's parts of it. If you're like me, I just want to skim this one. Because it's like, ooh, it's hitting me. Because I see where I'm not up to standard on that. I see where my right living is not in tune with his rule. But he finishes it with this. Here's the story. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, that's a really important statement, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had on the foundation, it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words, the words just represent truth, and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. So here's what, the rain came down, streams rose, winds blew against it, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Here's what we know from the story is that these men lived basically parallel lives except for one choice, what they practiced. They both built. They both built houses. They both built things. They built, they built a marriage. They built a family. They built a home. They built things in their life. We know that they were both builders. But here's such a huge difference between the two. One is called a wise man and one is called a foolish man. Over one word.
Their difference was around one word called practice. They had a relationship with truth, the one very selective. His practice around that truth, whatever, if he was uncomfortable with it, was to ignore it, put off its impact, mitigate it as much as possible away from the mainstream of his life. Not realizing that there was a big stream coming someday that if he had a match for in that truth, if he had prepared that truth into practice, that truth would have prepared him against that oncoming stream. It would have been a match. The strength would have matched the weakness. The strength would have matched the storm. The strength would have matched the forces coming at him. It would have matched him. The physics of it would have been equaled. It would have stood. But because he didn't put that particular truth into the mainstream, but instead put it on the margins, didn't really engage with it, he ends up with weaknesses that there are not are going to be exposed when the strength of a certain type of storm is going to come along and a certain type of flood is going to come along and it's going to hit him, and that weakness has not been strengthened by truth becoming wisdom. And it will collapse. And it did. Isn't it kind of foolish to hold the answer to something in advance? And yet as you hold it in advance, you're also in a place where it's, the challenge isn't there yet. I can delay putting that truth here. I can hold it over here. It doesn't have to take mainstream. Things are fine. This house that I've built, it's holding fine right now. See, why God wants to work truth into your life, into the practice of your life, why he wants that to happen is because it's preparing you for the streams that he knows are gonna swell and they're gonna come and they're gonna hit you. It might be relational streams. It might be economic streams. It might be health streams. It might be anything to do with life streams. And there's this uniqueness to the truth and what it will prepare as wisdom prepares you without you even knowing it for this specific onslaught that's going to come. God prepares us years in advance for storms that are happening today. Are you be, being prepared for the storms that are coming? How do you do that? You need to engage with truth now, especially in the uncomfortable areas and let them be transitioned into wisdom by the practice of them at this time. You put them into practice. There's two things. You grow it in your life by knowing God's truth. That's the first stage. You gotta know, know God's truth. The Bible is the source of God's truth. I just read an article which greatly disheartened me just on, uh, I think it was Friday, on some news source. And they did George Barna, who's a pollster in, in actually out of Phoenix. But they did a poll of Christian pastors, this was an American one, of Christian pastors. Um, Senior pastors right through the, the lot of the expertises for youth, children, and teaching pastors, all, all of them. And in this particular poll, there was this conclusion that only 41% of all of the pastors had a worldview that was biblical. 
that was based on the Bible. And I'm like, are you kidding me? They had covered it, I think it was 54 questions, covering different areas of life, like family life and what the scriptures say about that and just all of the different things, that the different areas, and seeing what the responses would be. Friends, if we move away from the clearest source of God's truth, which is the Bible, if you move your building of your family, the building of your marriage, the building of your finance, the building of yourself away from this book, and you make it a mix between a little bit of this and then a little bit of this over here and a little, I'm telling you that you are not prepared for the storms that are going to come in your life. You need to have a biblical world view. That gives you a biblical relationship view, a biblical finance view. It gives you a biblical stewardship view of talents and gifts and time and energy so that when you meet all those whys that come each and every day that just are there, you already have these pre-decided decisions that are taking you down these paths that you already know where you're going. If this is the decision, there's only really one path that I will follow here. The more that you try to devise clarity at any why, you will become unclear. The more that you are prepared by the nurture of the river of wisdom in your life, the more that you will take on confidently the challenges that come your way at the why. It doesn't take away the pain of, the, of what you need to go through in life. It just equips you to be able to have the strength of God and to be a testimony to the glory of God through the things that will come into your life. Your house, though, will stand. You got to know God's truth. Everyone who hears these words of mine, they're here. Then we have to work them into my life. You got to work them into my life. It says this, and puts them into practice as like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What an incredible statement that is. It is a statement, if you get it, that's actually giving you a way to build wisdom and to put it strongly into your life and to live in the stream of God's wisdom before the streams of the life of challenge hits you. A wise man who built his house on the rock. What is, what is the difference, rock and sand? Number one, it's the foundation. It's what everything rests on. Everything is only held together because this is strong enough to hold it. There are a lot of things in life that aren't going to challenge a house on sand. You can do some great sand building. I have watched, have you been at the beaches and you've watched where they have made these elaborate sand things and it's like when I go and I make a a little castle, it's like, you know, like you get the, anyway, it doesn't look like much. You just get a little sand pills. Mine lasts about like 29 and a half seconds. These guys will build something that's, it's got 
turrets that are beautiful. It's just incredible what they can put into sand. And, but every time, if you go in the morning when they do this, and they build that, and then you go back the next morning, it still did pretty good throughout the day. But then the next morning you go out and you find it's just sort of a divot in the sand where once stood the grandeur of what they had built. It wore it down. It wore it away because it doesn't have the, it's, it's a bunch of little individual granules that have no bond. Rock is bonded together much more tightly. It can't just be broken apart so easily. Rock makes it really immovable as its atoms hold so strongly together. Rock. If that's the foundation, not only will things not move, time will not wear it down. It will stay. The rock Christ Jesus, these truths, that's why those that want to take the scriptures and say, well, in these days, it's a different time. No. The rock Christ Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is no change in him. There's no change in what he taught about the very important parts of life that you are living out to this day. And if you want to have a strong life, you want to have a life that has the ability to meet the storms that comes as a believer in Christ, then you're gonna have to stay true to the foundation, which is the rock. And I challenge you today to make sure that you are not moving away from what is clearly revealed in God's word on any of the modernisms today. You must hold firm and then put them into practice in your own home, in your own life. In Colossians 2.7, message version, it says you're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. Boy, that, that's where you want to get. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. He's putting in some interesting Matthew. First he's complimenting him saying, you are deeply rooted. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. You know, there's a time in building a relationship, for instance, how many would like to be married with somebody that, you know, it takes them a whole lifetime to learn that they should learn how to say, I am sorry? Just three words, I am sorry. Just to practice today, let's see how good you are with this, okay? Look at your wife, no, I'm don't, just look up here and let's say these three words out loud, out loud together, you ready? I am sorry. Was that hard? Yes in one way, but no, because you weren't looking at your wife. Three words. Should there be a time in a relationship 
where school's out on those three words? Yeah. I don't need to keep studying the three words. I am sorry. If you have to study I am sorry for the rest of your relational life, wow, you really have a block to this. I am sorry. School's out. Now live it. This is how we must work with truth and how it becomes wisdom in your life. And it's wisdom to own your stuff. Would you agree with that statement? Is it wise to own your own stuff? Oh boy, this is not a convinced crowd. Okay. Is it wise for your wife to own her stuff? It's always wisdom to own your stuff. School's out. Now live it. Now live it. Then he goes on and he says, you gotta quit studying and start living it and let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for what? That God that God has taken your little schooling, given you schooling on something, you've opened your heart to truth, that schooling is now being lived out, that is the practice we read about, you are building on rock, you are prepared for storms that come, and those three words, I am sorry, may rescue you from some of the greatest storms to come. But the fool says, no. And when the storm comes, they can't do it. They won't do it. Crash. Oh, you may still be together. You might still have things to go on, but you just hurt the strength of your marriage. Three words. When it becomes wisdom, it's prepped you for the challenges to come. How much of what he just taught, he's saying, you know, out of what, everything I've just said, if you just put this into practice now, you hear, you've heard it, put it into practice, I'm telling you, you'll be ready for the storms that are coming because I know your life. I know your life. I know your life. He's, he does. He, I know your life. I know what's coming. I know what's coming tomorrow. I know what's coming this week. You know, God is so amazingly big. It's crazy. It's just... We, can't, we cannot get anywhere close. I mean, why, why does he act the way that he does? God is so big, he, he works his own purposes. You know, when, when God wants to clean a person up, God will even do things like this. I, how can you understand a God that does that? He, he, he wants a person to get cleaned up in their life, but he actually lets them and actually frees them to become dirtier so that there's more to clean up. Why does he let some run so far? Why does he let you go the way that you will go and even increase it? Why does he, you know, uh, let you, if you're not clothed properly, he'll let you actually become naked? Why does he put you through more extreme things? So that you will humble yourself and learn 
wisdom so that you will humble yourself and trust him because who knows why God does that? Why was there a devil? Why is there a serpent? Why was the devil in the serpent? Why is there evil in the world? Why, do, why doesn't God just end it all or stop it all? I do not know, but here's what I do know about God. Whatever he does is always for the betterment, for his own glory, and for what he's building, which is good for you and good for me, and whatever he's doing, and if, it, if he wanted the devil to be a part of that, and he wanted evil, and he wanted the serpent, and he wanted, if he, if he did that, we trust in a God that is so big that his purpose is worked out no matter what is coming our way. And that's how it is with truth. We just trust that we, as we engage with truth and we are engaging relationally with a God that is so huge, he has so many layers, you can't get past the first one. You can't understand his ways. You cannot understand why he's going to allow things, why you're going through what you're going through right now. If you try to get this complete understanding, you're not going to get it. Why does God allow that in your life for the life of a loved one? Or why does God put you in this circumstance? Why am I going through this? I will tell you that it's to his glory and what you want to do through that is trust the bigness of God because out of him, he will bring wisdom to you to bring glory to him. And he will help you in your life and carry you through your life. And it will be that the floods will not overwhelm you and the fires won't kindle upon you. You are going to find that God is going to walk you through difficult things, but he will have prepared you through building wisdom in your life. Don't stop that process. Practice what you know. It may be as simple as three words. It might be as simple as something you need to do right now. You know there's something wrong between you and God and someone else and you need to get that right. You need to forgive. You need to do something. You need to respond. He's asked you for obedience over here and you're holding back and you're not, you're not treating it like you're living in the kingdom of God. You're not treating it like somehow he really is the ruler, this amazing God and you're gonna trust his consistency and so you then are gonna push back against God and you're gonna wonder why a stream is going to take you out as it swells with a particular type of storm. Don't be subject to storms. Be subject to him so that he can prepare you. Engage truth. Welcome it in. Practice it as best you can and get it down. Do these things. Because he is building in you a flow of wisdom that prepares you for every why and every challenge. And all of that will happen when we hear and we practice. So let's stand together and just as we close, I want you to think about something you need to practice right now. There's something in your marriage you need to practice right now. There's something in your friendship. There's something in with somebody at work. There's something within you, a choices you've been making that you need to practice. I've had so many different conversations in the last weeks. I don't know what is happening often, but how God is working so deeply in believers. 
He's working so deeply in so many of you. And it's a beautiful thing. But why is he doing that? I, I think he's just preparing us. He's preparing you for even storms that are coming. You need to practice something today. What is the truth that you're only partly engaged with? Maybe the truth is about you and only you would know the truth. Maybe he's speaking truth, maybe through somebody to you in a relationship. I don't know what the truth is. What is the truth that he's told you on your finance lately or, 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 or how you are maybe filled with anxiety? What is the truth about your faith or your stewardship of your gifts and times and energy? What is he speaking? Choose one. Choose just one practice. May it be in your home, maybe in your church, maybe in your business, maybe in just your, your community existence. Choose the one practice just one that you'll go to God and you say this truth I definitely have not wrapped my arms around I've not hugged it I want it to become wisdom so I'm going to hug it I want it to be knowledge and understanding Don't set yourself up for weakness. Practice those truths. You're making yourself ready. Fathers, we bow our heads. I, there's so many complexities to this subject of wisdom and how it's lived out and applied in our life. How you produce it as we surrender and as we yield and practice. Lord, uh, even in such uh, if halting ways at times, truth. Father, I pray that our arms would just run around right now and just grab onto some truths that maybe we've just held back from. You've been talking to us. You've been speaking to us deeply. But Lord, we haven't responded by receiving that with full heartedness and, and we've not engaged and embraced it. This may be years old battle with this particular truth. This may be, Lord, a claim on your life that we have constantly ignored or marginalized and kept on the sidelines that we didn't engage with that call that you were calling us to some things. And God, we need to reawaken that and we need to grab on now, Lord, because we are having life like sand go through our fingers. So Father, we look to you today by the presence of your spirit to work something in our hearts today in practice. It might be simple little phrases, but so powerful, like I am sorry. God, I pray you tug real hard on our hearts on this. Don't let us off of this one. We don't want to be weak going into the challenges of today and tomorrow. It's wisdom that prepares us and gets us ready and strong and we recognize that and where we lack it Lord we're asking we ask for wisdom and may its life produce amazing things in and around us in Christ's name we pray Amen Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail 
at peopleschurchgp.com. Thank you.